0: Welcome to the Peaceworks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God honoring relationships. Welcome back to the Peaceworks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to talk about prevention and potentiality when it comes to young men, uh, especially considering those who maybe haven't been exposed to abuse. But before we jump into that content, I would like to take a moment to remind you, if you are benefiting from what you're hearing on the PeaceWorks podcast, then PeaceWorks University is probably your best next step. PeaceWorks University is our online membership site for people helpers, and it offers the most robust collection of resources uh, that I know of on the internet regarding gospel-centered solutions to the problem of domestic abuse. If you'd like to learn more, please visit chrismoles.org to learn more about PeaceWorks University. All right, let's jump into today's content. Uh, we get questions all the time here at PeaceWorks. and My assistant does a fantastic job of organizing them and uh, reminding me that they are are here and available, and so periodically we take time on the podcast to address some questions. We've been getting a lot of questions lately about children, and I'm a little hesitant to talk about children and, and domestic abuse because I would not consider myself an expert. I know the material. I know the content. Uh, but I do primarily work with perpetrators, secondarily with targets or victims, primary victims, uh, but when it comes to secondary victims, I usually leave that to my social work friends or counseling friends with experience. I did find this question, however, something that I felt comfortable dialoguing with. So let's turn to my attention to the question and um, yeah, discuss it for a little bit. Here's what the questioner asks. How can I help my son who has control issues? He's not been abused, nor has he witnessed abuse, but he continually wants to have things his way and responds with anger when he doesn't get it. How can I help him learn not to control his environment and other people and not to respond with anger when life does not go his way? It's a very interesting question and it's one that I've encountered uh, several times. Uh, over the years as I've been working with abusive men in particular. I think the first thing, maybe before we even talk about responding to this particular question, and there's a lot of variables we don't know here, maybe the first thing that would be helpful for us is a reminder that abuse is a learned behavior. Now, that's actually hard for some people, um, to swallow. It's hard for some individuals to accept. In fact, there is a cultural undercurrent of uh, blame or excuse or justification. Uh, maybe it's just the way people are wired. Uh, but what people tend to do is to try to find excuses or reasons why domestic abuse happened. Is it a anger problem? Is it a Marriage problem? Is it a substance abuse problem? Is it a pathological problem? Is it um, uh, a nurture problem or a nature problem? All of these aspects are often cited. But one of the things I think we have to hold a firm line on, right? A consistent um, line on is the idea that domestic abuse is a choice. And those choices come from learning. That's why I say abuse is a learned behavior. And what I mean by that is you either learn it through modeling or through trial and error. And so I've worked with a lot of abusive men over the years. And one thing that I can tell you is that a large majority or a large portion, I should say, say, of the men I've worked with, especially in the criminal justice system, witnessed abuse or were targets of abuse when they were children. Studies like the ACEs score often cite that, um, or there's a correlation cited, between high ACEs scores and men involved in criminal uh, domestic violence cases. ACEs, if you're unfamiliar, is the Adverse Childhood Experiences score. Now, it's not causative, but it's just an observation that says, yeah, you know, an individual who witnesses abuse or who experienced abuse may may resort to abusive behavior as they get older. It's normalized or it's effective. And they end up adopting uh, that same mentality and same behavior. So it's learned from a modeled perspective, but it's also learned from trial and error. You might be surprised to know that there are men in the criminal side of things, and that's usually where the statistics are, right, where the studies are done who've committed acts of domestic violence and domestic abuse against their partner and have never witnessed domestic abuse. They came from a pretty stable or um, loving home and yet resorted to acts of violence in their relationships. I often say that this is learned through trial and error. It works. Let's face it. Abuse is an effective way of getting what we want. Power, force, control... Uh, to manipulate, harm, or hurt people are not new things. This has been something that humanity's been struggling with since, uh, since we got here, right, since we began to struggle. And so I think we should recognize in the question, right, that there is potential for anyone who has a level of power to use that power or to use force to coerce, control, or manipulate someone else. And certainly, as we're trying to be and want to be compassionate with what I assume is a mom in this question, although I don't know for sure, is to understand that our sons will be in a situation at some point where they may be tempted to use their size, their strength, their position, their voice, their power, to harm someone else to get what they want. And that's a real reality that's present. And I think we who have sons need to understand that. So how do we, first of all, operate from a preventative standpoint? I'm going to get to the specific aspects of the question because the questioner has some specifics where this young man is already evidencing some power and control struggles. But a couple of things I would recommend, even thinking about my own parenting and uh, young men in my life whom I love, is I think we need to be honest and open about our responsibility as men to respect other people. I think theologically speaking, we need to have conversations about the image of God. I believe that will be um, central, especially with as you're having conversations with teenage boys about uh, relationships, about um, young young ladies, about the prevalence of pornography in our culture. We're going to be talking about things like objectification and respect and the image of God. I think love is a big theological um, reality that we need to evidence daily to young men. I think sometimes we um, assume that people know what it is to love and love is not a feeling primarily. Love is a decision and it's a choice and young men have opportunities to do that every day, believe it or not. Uh, Loving their parents or their siblings, making the choice to be respectful, making the choice to um, not retaliate to certain individuals, making the choice to be respectful of coaches and teammates and referees if they're on sports teams, so even those basic elements of prevention that just talk about and and interact with how we relate to society, to people around us. Let's get right into the question, though, because the questioner is not just asking how do we promote healthy manhood, which is something that I'm not sure we do very well in the church, to be honest. I'm going to take it aside again because, uh, as I even say that, healthy manhood, I think sometimes we have reduced biblical manhood to this macho, machismo, you know, power over model that just doesn't seem to reflect the heart of Jesus in my mind. And um, I think Jesus is our best example of what it means to be uh, God's type of man. Uh, but again, let's get back to the questioner because. I'm assuming it's a mom, she has some really um, significant concerns here. She says that her son has not been abused and hasn't witnessed abuse, but he continually wants to have things his way. And and My first thought would be that sounds like a human, that that most of us do that, right? That's James chapter 4, what causes fights and quarrels among you. You want something, right? It's your desires that work within you. You want something, but you can't have it. So you kill and you covet. And it's the old biblical counseling adage of we do what we do because we want what we want. All of us have this want, these desires uh, that draw us or tempt us, I think, into some of these behaviors. And so the first thing I would like to say to this questioner is there's a level of normalcy in your son. So I wouldn't want to just assume that your son's struggle for control is a slippery slope to abuse. What I would say first is your son's struggle with control is a struggle that we all have and that you probably have had to some degree as well, although it's a little different being a young man, I think. Uh, The second thing here is she goes on to say he responds with anger when he doesn't get what he wants. I would also say that that's, a, that's somewhat of a normal response because anger tends to elicit a response from others. And so we find this a lot in abusive men who will use their anger, their rage, to uh, create a sense of fear or intimidation in their partner. And um, this is something that obviously you could be. he could be learning early. It's also something that could be natural, right? It's like anytime we're disappointed, um, anger is one of those emotional responses that makes sense. Anger is our our body and our spirit telling us that we're not okay with something, that something is wrong. And if our worldview is centered around ourselves, if we have a level of selfishness and entitlement, then anger will be the natural response to not getting what we want. And uh, so, I don't want to just lay out a a thought here for the listener that, okay, this is completely normal, just let it go. But I do want to, I do want to make sure we understand that some of this behavior is normal. Absolutely the way humans respond. And part of maturing, growing up, especially those of us in Christ, growing in Christ, is to learn how to respond in such a way. Because anger really isn't a bad thing. Anger is a could be a good thing. We all know that we emote because God emotes. So we have emotion in part because God has emotion. God has been angry. He is angry perfectly, right? The problem is we are often angry imperfectly. And so then the questioner wraps up with, how can I help him learn not to control? And this is the heart of the question, right? What are some of the things that I can do as a parent to help him not control others when he's disappointed? And there's really nothing incredibly um, powerful in what is rolling around in my head right now, but I do think there are a couple things that we can begin to do depending upon the age and development and maturity of the young man we're talking about. So I'm going to make an assumption And I'm going to address some concerns that I would have, say, with my own boys. I have two teenage boys. And so I'm going to be um, dialoguing from this point forward, just trying to think pragmatically about how I would respond to my teenage boys if they exhibited this kind of behavior. And trust me, teenage boys exhibit this kind of behavior. I'm also a basketball coach, so we see this quite a bit, right? Whether it be overt anger right, uh, that, that ends up in like yelling at a teammate or a friend, um, or if it's more covert, like pouting and, and moping. And so um, here's a couple things that I would recommend, especially if we're dealing with a teenager. It's okay to reason, to try to have a reasonable conversation. Normally, that's not going to happen in a, in a moment of explosiveness or in a moment of anger usually you just end up talking circularly. So it's probably gonna have to happen at a separate moment uh, where the young man is uh, calm and removed from the situation. And when I say reason, just kind of logically talking through the steps. That's one thing about um, young men, they're beginning to think concretely, things are beginning to get compartmentalized. And so there is an advantage to being able to talk concretely about A plus B equals C and uh, beginning to dialogue regarding things about how your emotions uh, affect other people and how your expression of emotion affects other people. So don't be afraid to try to find time away from the incident to reason with this young man uh, and really lay out the impact and the effect of the way they're handling life. Uh, Galatians 6 tells us that we reap what we sow, that God will not be mocked. And so if we begin to develop habits now that disrespect other people or harm other people or frighten other people, and it gets us what we want, if we feel satisfied with the outcome, then we will become callous to that. And as we become adults, boys, think about that. Do you want to be that type of person? Like, Do you want to be the type of person that frightens others, that uh, is lonely, that is isolated because you care more about yourself than you do other people? Now, that may or may not be an effective strategy depending upon the maturity and the mentality and the mindset of the young man. Uh, Another pragmatic response, practical response, may be the law of consequences. It is okay Right, to enact consequences, to set boundaries, to actually um, guide and discipline young men who behave this way by setting some kind of boundaries. I'm trying to think through there's no specifics in the, uh, in the question, but perhaps let's say that um, and this is very common among men and, and young men begin to learn this uh, at an early age, which is, learning how to show and share emotion, for instance. you know, It may be inappropriate to be angry at everything, and it may be okay to have that discussion. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be fearful. What's not okay is to attack people when that happens. So maybe there's consequences, right? If you're afraid of a situation at school, Maybe you're uncomfortable with uh, or, or fearful that you're going to fail a test or you're uncomfortable with a social situation that you're entering into. Maybe it's a dance or, or some kind of setting that you're uncomfortable with and instead of expressing the fear you're just attacking your sibling, well there's going to be consequences for attacking your sibling. That's not how we express fear and it's going to benefit you to experience this consequence. Um, that's just a, a very broad example because I don't have the, the specifics here, but I find that to be uh, an issue as well. I, I don't know how to show any emotion but anger and trying to help our, our young men, our boys, understand that we've got to find the tools within ourselves and within our family to express emotions appropriately. And then the last thing in an area of um, responses, you can reason, you can offer consequences for sure, is you can practice patience. And I say that because there, there is a, a potential here. This young man's not experienced abuse, according to the question. He's not witnessed abuse, but boy, his behavior is really worrying mom because perhaps mom has experienced abuse. Maybe mom has witnessed abuse. And you don't want to see anything that reminds you of that behavior in your partner. Um, While it would be great if we could nip everything in the bud, like it was said, right? It, It would be great if we could just squelch everything in our child that reminds us of our partner. That may not be within your power. And it may be something that you need to turn over to the Lord and address with patience. I'm not saying be steamrolled by your own child, but I am saying that perhaps there's a, a an act of patience and love that can be shown as you have a level of compassion uh, for the struggle that your own son is going through. In fact, if you think about Ephesians chapter four, um, that passage has a section about anger, if you might remember, right? It's a Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. He goes on to list six expressions of sinful anger and then contrasts it with three expressions of righteous anger. I don't think this is taught well. I think sometimes we just think that anger is a problem. But what Paul says is, you know, when you're angry, don't sin. Don't be a brawler or a slanderer or malicious or uh, bitter Right or uh, the slow burn type of anger, or don't explode in rage. He says instead be kind, compassionate, and forgiving. And if your own child is one of those triggers in your life, I'm encourage you to get some help, uh, to have a trusted friend you can talk to, and think through. Okay, how do I respond to the triggers and temptations in my life? Do I respond with rage and malice and bitterness, or do I respond with kindness and compassion and forgiveness? All of that qualified, right? We do that like Christ did for us, you know, as God in Christ forgave you. So do I have that type of mentality where I have a patient uh, response without being um, a doormat or being bowled over? Bowled over? Um, there's a lot more that we could talk about there, and I know it's not exhaustive. There's no way in a 20-minute podcast that we can be exhaustive, But yes, abuse is a learned behavior. It can be learned from modeling or learned from trial and error. And if your child is experimenting with abusive behavior through trial and error, um, one thing is it will be less likely to be engaged in if it's unsuccessful. So any way that we can add consequences. And then two, it will be less successful if maturity and wisdom and conviction rule the heart of a child where they say, I don't want to be that type of person. And um, hopefully, in our brief time together, that was somewhat helpful. Uh, Let's be praying and caring and loving each other uh, in our churches, in our communities, as we interact with young men in particular, to kind of break the stronghold of manhood that says power and force are effective tools and actually replace that with the mind of Christ, which calls us to gentleness and humility and peace. Thank you again for listening to the PeaceWorks Podcast. Until next time, God bless.